This is Kevin C. from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for July 28, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. The message is by Mother Nancy James. Uh, before that, aha, uh-huh. Jesus was praying. I know, it says that an awful lot in the Bible, doesn't it? Jesus was praying. But he was praying. He was in prayer. And his disciples want to be in fellowship with him. They want to be with him. And so they go to him and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he gives them an answer. Now, our gospel lesson this morning is that answer, and it has three parts to it. The first part is the Lord's Prayer. The second part is a parable and an interpretation, a parable of the, of the neighbor. Okay? And lastly, we have a comparison between the motives of fallen man and the motives of our perfect heavenly Father. Okay? So I will, we will go through those three parts together. Okay? Okay. Now, before we start in on the Lord's Prayer, though, I have some interesting facts for you. St. Gregory the Great and many who have followed after him, many of the saints of the, of the church, uh, believe that the apostles used the Lord's Prayer to consecrate the Eucharist. Okay. Tertullian called it the epitome of the whole gospel. And in looking around uh, for my, my sermon, it, I came across Joseph Fitzmaier, who had pulled together a variety of Jewish prayers that Jesus knew they were available in his time, and he pulled them together. Um, and as we know, every time the disciples asked Jesus for a question, where did he go and get his answer? in scriptures. He, he went and he got it from things that they knew, okay? So this is a very, very interesting. I thought you'd like to hear this. May his great name be extolled and hallowed in the world, which he has created according to his will. May he cause his kingdom to rule in your lifetime and in your days, and in the lifetime of all of the house of Israel. Provide me only the food I need. Forgive us, Father, for we have sinned. And pardon us, O King, for we have transgressed. Bring us not into the power of sin or into the power of guilt or into the power of temptation. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Okay. All right. When we're going to look at uh, the Lord's Prayer, we're going to use Matthew's version. It has a few more words in it. It's what we say when we do the Eucharist. Um, we're going to take it a phrase at a time. And as I go through it, I want you to ask yourself three questions. What does this say about God? What does it say about us? And what does it say about our relationship? So it begins, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay. We're declaring relationship with God. He's not just our Father. He's creator. He's divine. He's holy. He's eternal. And we are not. We are less than he is. He's not just a bigger, more powerful human. You know, we have all these pictures now from space of Earth, so you can see the whole of what it looks like with all of us standing on it. Isn't that amazing? You can't see your face at all. It's just this beautiful orb. And it's not that Jesus is like a human, bigger, standing there watching over Earth. You know, he's not quantitatively more than us. Or I should say he's not just quantitatively more than us. He is quantitatively more, but he's also qualitatively more than us. Okay? We're made in his image. He's not made in our image. And when we project this giant person, sometimes we limit what God truly is. Okay? He is not limited by us or our imagination or our mind or our thoughts or anything that we can conceive, but our understanding of how much more he is is limited by our knowledge, our minds, our thoughts, our experience, our imagination, what we are. So what we are doing here is claiming a relationship with God, big, awesome, more than I can imagine. Okay, And that's a very good beginning to any prayer. Next comes, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what does it mean to be king? You know, the Brits have this new little baby who's in line for the royal throne, you know? And, and when you pledge your fidelity to a king, it means you'll lay down your life for him, you'll follow blindly any instructions that are given to you. you know? Do we mean that? Here we're saying we want to be part of God's kingdom, that we cherish and desire his kingdom to be now here, and that it, we really, really want it with all that we are and all that we have. Yeah. We want God to rule the earth as he rules in heaven. Yeah. This doesn't mean I'm giving up my free will, saying I don't no longer want free will. It means that by my free will, I freely am bringing myself into alignment with God's divine plan, with his will, even though I don't know quite what all it is. And isn't that interesting? I will trust God and his plan, even though I don't know 
one complete plan. I don't know all of them. I, I don't know one in its infinite detail. But I'm willing to say I want to follow that. That's where I put my trust. And next, give us this day our daily bread. Okay, we go, uh, no brainer, right? You know, feed me. <laughs> right? See to my basic needs, Lord, please. But do we really mean this? Really? We say, oh yeah, I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm not one of those Old Testament Jews. You know, those guys who were out there in the desert of Egypt wandering around grumbling because they only had manna and quail. Seriously, after a month of the same thing, wouldn't you complain? To this day, I can't eat hash because when I was a kid, my dad was in the service. We ate hash six out of seven days. You know, it's like no, don't, don't, don't want that. I would crumble. I would, and why? Because of my selfishness, because of my arrogance. One phrase I hear all the time, and I think it grates on me when I hear it more than anything else, is, I deserve? Really? Really? I don't think so. I don't deserve. I haven't earned. Everything comes from God. It's all His, all His grace. And if I'm blessed so much that I'm not hungry today and worrying about where I'm going to eat tomorrow, What is it that I want today? Am I counting or trusting that God will provide it? Or am I scheming on how am I going to make this happen? Do I rely upon myself or do I put my trust in God? And if I do have it provided for me, can I see how it came from him and not from my own devices? Give us this day what we need for today. And keep me from being a hoarder. Keep me from listening to that evil little voice in my head that says, oh, put some aside and save it for later because who knows what's going to happen later. Right? You might want a snack. God knows. God knows what's going to happen. He knows and he provides. Do we really say all things come of thee, O Lord? When we ask, give us this day our daily bread, does it help us to recognize in ourselves the pride that harbors there that keeps us from closer fellowship with him? We need to recognize our dependence on God and the pitfalls of pride. And next we have, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, this one is really difficult. And in all honesty, I really kind of paraphrase it this way. Totally and completely forgive me, Lord. Wash me clean and make me new. Restore me to the perfection that you alone see. And Lord, help me to 
try to forgive others. But, you know, they've really hurt me. Now, I know that I should, and maybe someday I will, but until then, forgive me. What is the first commandment? Love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And what's the second one? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And what else do we know? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This takes us back to God's commandments, illuminates, for me anyway, my pride and the inequity in my attitude. I keep struggling to raise myself above those who are around me, and I need to humble myself. I need to have compassion and empathy, love and sympathy for my neighbor in order to be in right relationship with God, to commune with God. This prayer guides me to correct myself. And when I can see my error, I can confess and repent and be restored by God's grace. Forgiveness is not the end of this phrase, though. God commands us to love one another. Unforgiveness keeps us from loving. In preparing for today, I came across a quote I want to read to you. To Christ, the most serious sin was not misdirection of love energy, which might be due to ignorance or mere carelessness, but the deliberate refusal to allow it to flow either to God or to other people. It's not enough to be kind and good and generous and righteous. You must love. And this means investing yourself, your time, your thoughts, and prayers. We pray for those we love. But do we pray for those we don't love? And if you do do that, do you pray like that Pharisee did? Oh, thank you, God, that I'm not like him. Okay? That's not a prayer for the other person. That's, that's a prayer for yourself. We need to forgive and to love. Doesn't say we have to forget or be made put ourselves in jeopardy so that we can be taken advantage of or hurt, okay? It doesn't say that. It says that we need to forgive and to love, and we need to pray in order to change the world. What comes next? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, and a way to paraphrase this would be, oh yeah, God, and now that I've gotten it right to this part, I've made all these adjustments, keep me from doing it again. <laughs> you know, if sin were a pothole, I keep stepping in the same one. I can see it, I can recognize it, 
As life goes on, I get more and more experience. I can see it from farther and farther away. And yet, for some reason, I need to walk right up to the edge of that hole. And I need to see what happens if I stick my foot down in it. And I'm surprised when I fall in. You know, what's with that? You know, Lord, help me to turn away sooner. And after this, we have added what we call the doxology. For thy kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever and ever. Amen. Now this was added by the early church in that very first century after Christ was walked the earth. And it's recorded in the Didache, which is our first how-to book of the church. It's the earliest, earliest canon that there is. So Jesus answered the disciples by giving them this wonderful outline of how to pray. It's a good foundation for right relationship with God. It begins with worship and adoration and expression of faith in the conclusion of time. You know, in the end, God wins, right? We all know that. Yay! And this is followed by right intercession by asking God's assistance for the things that is in his plan for us. The Lord's Prayer is a pattern for living, not just a prayer. The difference between the early church and the church now is that they integrated Christ's teaching into their very lives. They gave themselves totally over into God's will. To them, it changed their essence, their core being. They had faith and trusted and believed. What we've done is we boil Christ's teaching